Before we start today's podcast, a quick heads up on Sherlock's VIP club. From restaurants, bars and hotels to beauty, wellness and shopping, Sherlock's partners with some of London's best destinations and hottest brands to bring its VIPs exclusive monthly offers. So why not sign up? It'll cost you just £5 a month or £50 for the year. Use your card once or twice and you'll have made that amount back in no time. For more information, visit sherlocksvip.com. Time poor? Never get around to watching or reading the news? Aware you're not quite as on top of what's happening in the world as you should be? Well, the Daily News in Brief from Sherlock's.com is the daily email that brings you the scoop on the breaking news and current affairs you need to know about each day. In this weekly podcast, we round up all those stories into one neat episode. So subscribe, keep listening and stay informed. Welcome to the Daily News in Brief podcast. Today is the 23rd of January and this week's main stories are The US Senate heard opening statements in the impeachment trial of President Donald Trump on Tuesday. Prosecutors from the House of Representatives took to the Senate floor to charge Trump with high crimes and misdemeanours and argued that he should be removed from office. It follows a vote in the House in which members backed charging the president over alleged abuses of power and obstruction of Congress. Despite the charges, the Republican-led Senate voted to block three attempts to call witnesses and obtain evidence on the first day of the trial, prompting accusations of a cover-up from some Democrats. Proceedings in the Senate stretched for more than 12 hours on Tuesday, prompting Adam Schiff, the lead impeachment manager, to say, I know it's late, but it doesn't have to be late. We don't control the schedule. There is a reason why we are still here at five minutes till midnight, and that's because they don't want the American people to see what's going on here. Trump was not present at the start of trial proceedings this week, instead choosing to address the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. The president used his keynote speech to denounce climate activists as prophets of doom, saying, These alarmists always demand the same thing, absolute power to dominate, transform and control every aspect of our lives. While Trump made no mention of the climate crisis, he did speak out in support of a new plan to capture carbon via mass tree planting, Sustainability is a key theme at this year's forum, which runs until Friday and is attended by the world's political and business elite. Jess Phillips has withdrawn from the Labour leadership race, telling supporters she is not the person to unite the party. The MP for Birmingham Yardley had been in the running to replace Jeremy Corbyn as Labour leader. However, in a message to her supporters on Tuesday, Phillips confirmed she would be pulling out of the race just two weeks into the campaign. Phillips's decision came as she failed to secure the backing of any trade unions, affiliate bodies or local parties. Candidates must win nominations from at least 5% of constituency parties or at least two trade unions, plus one affiliate group, in order to reach the final stage of the race. Discussing her withdrawal from the contest, Phillips said the party's next leader needed to be someone who can unite all parts of our movement, including the union movement, Labour members and elected representatives. At this time, that person is not me, she added. Phillips has thanked her supporters and said she will now be backing Lisa Nandy in the contest. As of Wednesday night, only Sakir Starmer and Lisa Nandy had received the necessary backing to reach the final ballot paper. The UK government announced on Wednesday that Heathrow Airport would begin screening passengers arriving in the UK from Wuhan, the Chinese city at the centre of a new virus outbreak. Passengers on board the three direct flights from Wuhan to Heathrow each week were set to face screening by doctors for the flu-like symptoms of coronavirus. 
However, within hours of the announcement, it became clear this would not be necessary, as Chinese officials had shut down all outbound transport from the city, including its airport. Those living in Wuhan have been advised not to leave as Chinese authorities attempt to quarantine the deadly virus. News of the transport shutdown came as officials confirmed at least 571 people have been affected with coronavirus. While many cases of the virus are mild, at least 17 people have died and a further 95 patients remain in a critical condition. A number of cases have also been confirmed outside of China, in the US, Taiwan and the Philippines, as well as earlier diagnoses confirmed in Japan, South Korea and Thailand. Some international airports have begun screening passengers for high temperatures in an attempt to identify infected travellers. Nick Finn of PHE said the risk to the British public remained low, but advised anyone who had developed respiratory symptoms within two weeks of visiting Wuhan to contact their health service. In UK news... The Prime Minister has said the UK's new immigration policy will put people before passports in a speech to African presidents and prime ministers. Addressing more than a dozen African leaders at the UK-Africa Investment Summit in London this week, Boris Johnson heralded the forthcoming immigration changes as introducing a fairer and more equal system, which would treat people the same wherever they come from. While details of the UK's post-Brexit immigration policy are yet to be revealed, the Prime Minister said African countries would benefit from the changes. By putting people before passports, we will be able to attract the best talent from around the world, Johnson added. Freedom of movement between the UK and EU is expected to end on the 31st of December 2020, when the Brexit transition period concludes. The government has previously pledged to introduce a points-based immigration system, similar to that used in Australia, by January 2021. Prince Harry has told a private dinner in London that he and his wife, Meghan Markle, had no other option but to step back from their roles as senior royals. Speaking at the charity event on Sunday, the prince said he had hoped to continue serving the Queen without public funding, but unfortunately that wasn't possible. Prince Harry also expressed his great sadness at the move, but suggested it was necessary for his family to enjoy a more peaceful life. It follows a statement from the Queen on Saturday, wishing the couple a happy and peaceful new life and announcing that they will no longer use their Royal Highness titles or receive public funds. Prince Harry reunited with his family on Vancouver Island on Tuesday. They are expected to spend a significant amount of time in Canada in future after enjoying a six-week break on the island over Christmas. Jeremy Corbyn is facing a backlash after reports emerge suggesting he plans to hand peerages to his former Chief of Staff, Carrie Murphy, and the ex-Speaker, John Burko. The Labour leader reportedly intends to nominate Burko for a seat in the Lords, after Boris Johnson failed to do so. The Prime Minister of the day traditionally nominates outgoing speakers for a peerage, but Johnson is believed to have deliberately overlooked Burko over his handling of Brexit. Corbyn's former Chief of Staff, Carrie Murphy, is also believed to be among Labour's nominees. The decision to include Murphy is controversial, as she remains under investigation by the Equality and Human Rights Commission for her role in the handling of anti-Semitism complaints in the party. The Jewish Labour movement has condemned her nomination, describing it as deeply inappropriate and demanding it be rescinded immediately. Labour sources have refused to confirm whether Burko or Murphy are among the nominees. Conservative Party Chairman James Cleverley has confirmed the Prime Minister is considering shifting the House of Lords to the north of England during and after restoration work on the Palace of Westminster. What we are looking at is a whole range of options about making sure that every part of the UK is properly connected with politics, Cleverley said. 
The restoration project requires 800 peers to move out of the iconic building for six years from 2025. While a report in the Sunday Times suggested several northern cities were being considered in the plans, a government source has claimed a proposal to relocate the Lords to York is much further along. Tony Hall has announced plans to step down as the Director-General of the BBC. News of Lord Hall's departure was relayed to staff via email this week, with the Director-General writing, It's been such a hard decision for me. I love the BBC. If I followed my heart, I would genuinely never want to leave. Hall said he would be stepping down this summer after seven years at the corporation's helm, allowing a new Director-General to take over ahead of the mid-term review of the BBC's charter in 2022. His successor will be appointed by the BBC board, which is expected to issue a job description and advertisement for the role within the next few weeks. State schools and colleges have been urged to order free sanitary products under a government scheme designed to tackle period poverty. Primary and secondary schools can opt into the scheme to receive free supplies of tampons, pads and menstrual cups. Each school to opt in will be allocated a set amount of annual spending by the government, calculated on the basis that 35% of pupils who menstruate will use the products. The programme is aimed at preventing children from missing school if they don't have access to the products at home. The Red Box Project, which has provided free period products to schools since 2017, welcomed the news, describing it as a step towards genuine equality. A woman has addressed two men who witnessed a sexual assault against her more than 40 years ago, saying, There are not many people who truly get the opportunity in their lives to right such a dreadful wrong. Now age 59, she has issued a statement via detectives in an attempt to catch her attackers. The statement is aimed at two witnesses who were present when the woman was raped by a gang of men thought to be members of a rugby team in Plymouth in 1978. She said the two witnesses appeared to be part of the same group of men, but were shocked at their actions and seemed to want to stop them. The attack took place at the top of the Strathmore Hotel when the woman was 17. Addressing the two unknown witnesses, she said, The fact that you actually know the identities of all of my rapists gives you this unique opportunity. Please help me by coming forward and identifying your teammates. I've lived with this trauma day in, day out for 42 years. A man has been arrested in Denmark in connection with the murder of a suspected gangster in London. The 22-year-old was arrested under a European arrest warrant at Copenhagen Airport after arriving on a flight from Thailand. He's being held on suspicion of murdering 36-year-old Flamma Bajiri, who was shot multiple times outside his home in Battersea on Christmas Eve. Police believe Bajiri, a Swedish national, may have had links to organised crime and have suggested he was the victim of a targeted attack. The suspect remains in custody in Denmark, pending his extradition back to the UK. The Transport Secretary has confirmed that the decision over whether to go ahead with the high-speed rail to HS2 project will be delayed until February. Grant Shapps said it was vital to get the facts right before making a decision on whether to proceed with maybe the biggest infrastructure project this country's ever taken. HS2 has been under review since last summer when Boris Johnson commissioned a report to examine the project's future. The report was completed last year and allegedly recommends going ahead with HS2 as well as proposing cost-cutting measures. However, Shapps has requested more data before he makes a decision. The delay came as more than 30 MPs signed a joint letter calling on the government to deliver the long-overdue rail line in full. business news. Network Rail is facing an investigation into its poor performance on routes operated by Northern and Trans Pennine Express. 
According to the Office of Road and Rail, the government-owned company has been put on a warning over its worsening performance in 2018 and its failure to improve services in the northwest and central regions in 2019. Network Rail owns and manages most of the train network in the UK and was found to have contributed 58% of passenger train delay minutes last year. News of the investigation prompted an apology from Network Rail this week, with its chief executive, Andrew Haynes, admitting, we have let you down. Sainsbury's has announced its chief executive, Mike Coop, will be stepping down from his role at the supermarket group at the end of May. Coop has been at the helm of Sainsbury's for almost six years and said his departure had been a very difficult decision. He will be replaced by the supermarket group's current head of retail and operations, Simon Roberts. Coop said he was confident Roberts was the right choice for the customers and investors. His departure was announced a day after Sainsbury's revealed plans to cut hundreds of management roles as part of cost-cutting measures. The retailer has blamed the cuts on its continued integration of Argos, which was purchased by the group in 2016. In health news, NHS England is facing legal fees of £4.3 billion to settle outstanding claims of clinical negligence, a freedom of information request by the BBC has revealed. The health service receives more than 10,000 new claims for compensation each year. Estimates published last year suggested the total cost of outstanding claims could be as much as £83 billion. The Department of Health has vowed to combat the unsustainable rise in clinical negligence costs, but insisted there had been no decline in levels of patient safety. However, Action Against Medical Accidents has accused the government of taking a short-sighted approach to the problem and said the NHS was failing to recognise harm to patients or compensate them fairly. The Duchess of Cambridge has launched a UK-wide survey aimed at sparking a national conversation about early childhood. The online survey, called Five Big Questions, will be conducted by Ipsos Mori on behalf of the Royal Foundation. It focuses on five key questions on childhood, such as what period of childhood is most important for happiness and the nature versus nurture debate. The Duchess of Cambridge marked its launch with a tour of the UK this week, visiting London, Birmingham, Cardiff and Surrey. A statement on the Royal Foundation website said the Duchess believes many of society's greatest social and health challenges could be avoided if children were given the right support in their early years. The NSPCC has welcomed news of the survey as a vital source of information for the sector. In environment news, a new study published in the journal Nature Communications has revealed a record rise in concentrations of hydrofluorocarbon, HFC-23, a potent greenhouse gas. Researchers said they had expected to register a reduction in the HFC-23 emissions after India and China, two key generators of the gas, reported almost eliminating it in 2017. However, when studying HFC-23 levels in 2018, researchers found concentrations were in fact rising at a record rate. Kieran Stanley, the lead author of the study, said the findings suggested China has not been as successful in reducing HFC-23 emissions as reported. Scientists are also unsure whether India's plans to abate emissions of the gas have been implemented. The UK Citizens' Climate Assembly is preparing to meet for the first time. The Assembly, which will gather on Saturday, includes 110 ordinary people from across the UK. They've been selected as a representative sample of the British population and reflect a 2019 survey on the public's climate concerns, meaning both those unconcerned by climate change and those who are very concerned are represented. 
The Assembly's views will be collated in a report published this spring, although there is no guarantee its suggestions will be adopted by the government. Elsewhere in the world. Saudi Arabia has denied hacking the phone of Amazon boss Jeff Bezos, describing the allegations as absurd. According to reports, a WhatsApp message was sent to Bezos from a personal phone number used by the Saudi crown prince. Bezos' phone was hacked after receiving the message, with an investigation into the data breach allegedly revealing that the WhatsApp message had prompted his phone to secretly begin sharing large amounts of data. The allegations against the crown prince are based on a report from FTI Consulting a private security firm that was hired by Bezos to investigate the data breach. The Twitter account of Saudi Arabia's US embassy has issued an outright denial of the claims. Some reports have pointed to worsening relations between the kingdom and Bezos following the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Khashoggi was an employee of the Washington Post, which Bezos owns, and was murdered inside the Saudi consulate in Istanbul five months after the alleged data breach. UN experts have demanded an inquiry into the breach. Special rapporteurs... Agnes Calamard and David Kay said they were gravely concerned by the evidence they had seen and suggested the hacking of Bezos' phone may have been an effort to influence, if not silence, the Washington Post reporting on Saudi Arabia. A cache of secret documents known as the Luanda Leaks has revealed a series of shady deals agreed between Isabel dos Santos and the Angolan government. Dos Santos is Africa's richest woman and the daughter of José Eduardo dos Santos, the former Angolan president. According to a probe led by the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, Dos Santos's offshore businesses were awarded lucrative state deals involving Angolan oil, land and diamonds. Prosecutors in Luanda are now working with authorities across countries, including the UK, Portugal and the US, to trace the family's assets and prevent money transfers. And Angola's Attorney General has announced a formal criminal investigation into Dos Santos. She denied the allegations against her, claiming they are part of a witch hunt waged against her family by her father's successor, President Lorenzo. China has revealed a major new plan aimed at reducing single-use plastics. One of the world's biggest users of plastic, China plans to ban non-degradable plastic bags across its major cities by the end of this year, with a nationwide ban in place by 2022. Restaurants will also be banned from using single-use straws by the end of 2020. While China's national recycling figures are not publicly available, statistics from online publication Our World in Data said the country produced 60 million tonnes of plastic waste in 2010. China's plans follow the news that Malaysia has sent back 42 shipments of plastic waste smuggled from the UK. If people want to see us as the rubbish dump of the world, they can dream on, Malaysian Environment Minister Yeo Bi Yin said. The family of Nora Quarren is to sue the Malaysian resort where the 15-year-old disappeared last August. The teenager, who had mental and physical disabilities, was found dead around 2.5 kilometres from the Dunson Resort 10 days after she was reported missing. A post-mortem found she had died of starvation and stress after wandering in the jungle. Malaysian police found no evidence of abduction. However, the teenager's parents insist their daughter was kidnapped from her room at the resort and have launched a lawsuit against its owner. The parent's lawyer, Sakanka Nair, said her clients were seeking around £34,000 from the resort for bereavement costs and damages for pain and suffering. The place was not safe for the child because of the negligence. Anybody could have come in and taken her, they added. 
The chief executive of the Recording Academy, which organises the Grammy Awards, has hit the company with a 44-page legal complaint alleging sexual harassment and voting corruption within its ranks. Deborah Duggan's allegations follow the company's decision to suspend her from her role last week after a misconduct allegation was levelled against her. In the legal complaint published on Wednesday, Duggan claims her predecessor, Neil Portnoy, raped an unnamed female recording artist and accuses the firm of continuing to employ him as a consultant despite knowledge of the alleged assault. The Recording Academy has dismissed Duggan's claims and said it was curious she had not raised these grave allegations until a week after legal claims were made against her personally. Our facts of the week are... Britons spent an average of 2.4 hours on their mobile phones each day last year. The figure is lower than the global average of 3.7 hours a day, according to app Annie, which analyses mobile phone use. However, it does indicate a rise in Britain's phone use, up 15% on two years ago. App Annie Managing Director Paul Barnes said the biggest mobile trend was the move towards consuming more video, with the number of mobile sessions around video growing 34% worldwide over the last year. Bong Joon-ho's film Parasite has become the first ever foreign language film to win the top prize at the Screen Actors Guild Awards. The Korean-made movie took home the gong for best performance by a cast in a motion picture at the ceremony on Sunday night, beating competition from The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Parasite's victory at the awards may put the comedy thriller on track for further success at the Oscars next month, with the movie nominated across six Academy categories overall. Facebook intends to create a 1,000 new jobs at its London base over the course of this year. More than half of the roles will be technology-focused, with other new hires joining the social media firm's community integrity team, which polices posts on its platforms. It comes as Facebook increases its efforts to reduce harmful content on its sites. Many of these high-skilled jobs will help us address the challenges of an open internet and develop artificial intelligence to find and remove harmful content more quickly, Facebook chief Sheryl Sandberg said. And finally, 73 million households worldwide have watched royal drama The Crown since its release in 2016, according to new figures from Netflix. Netflix's chief content officer, Ted Sarandos, said the show's millions of viewers around the world had made The Crown part of the global cultural zeitgeist. The Crown's third season stars Olivia Colman as the Queen and was watched in 21 million households in its first four weeks on the streaming platform, a 40% increase on viewing figures from the second season. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.